Hello, everybody. Welcome to Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. Thanks for tuning into the broadcast today. You are in for it today. We're going to get into the Word of God together, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Well, listen, let's get into the Word of God together right now, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. And the big reason you need to set up a guard over the heart is because this is the part of you God's looking at. When he's looking at you, he's not looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. And we saw that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when the prophet went to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the next king of Israel. Uh, Samuel saw Jesse's oldest son and said, surely the Lord's anointed. Surely this has got to be him, right? He's the oldest. He's the tallest. He's the best looking. He's the strongest out of this crew. Surely this is the one. But the Lord said to him, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. The Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And what I want to get into today is not just the Lord looking at the heart, but what's he looking for? We know he's looking at it, but when he's looking at it, what's he looking for? Evidently, there were things going on in the older son that caused the Lord to refuse him. And it wasn't an outward thing. It wasn't because God looked at him and said, yeah, he's, you know, he would work, except I just don't know if he's got that body mass index that I'm really looking for. Or, uh, you know, he's, he's a little on the slender side. Or, well, it didn't have anything to do with that. He's looking at the heart. So the next question has to be, okay, God, if you're looking there, then what are you looking for? In the book of Matthew chapter five, I want to put up verse 8. Hold your place there in Luke 8, but, but just look at this on the screen for me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. These are the words of Jesus. I want you to notice what he had to say here about the heart. He said, blessed. I like other translations that talk about happy. Or this word blessed meaning, one of them says, spiritually prosperous. We say this every week, don't we? We are prospering in every area of our lives, but what area comes first? Spirit. There is no prospering physically until you're prospering spiritually. There is no prospering financially. Not true prosperity. You can have a bunch of stuff and a bunch of money, but if you're not prospering spiritually, you're a poor man with money. Jesus said spiritually prosperous are who? the pure in heart. So here's one of the first things that God's looking for when he's looking at the heart. Spiritually prosperous are the pure in heart. Why? Because they get to see God. The pure in heart get to see God. Now, you got to be so watchful over these scriptures you've heard over and over and over again. Especially if you've grown up in church. I was a, a, a church rat. I mean, I mean, I grew up in church. I've thought of different times about writing a book called My Life on the Front Row. <laughs> the Trials and Triumphs of a Full-Time Preacher's Kid. Because that was my life, man. And you hear these verses, and there's ones, I've heard them, you've heard them. Uh, you probably, if you grew up in children's church, maybe had to memorize some of these. We called them the Beatitudes. And who even knows what one of those are? A Beatitude? What does it even mean? Well, evidently this is one of them. 
But you got to be watchful over those things you've heard so many times because you start to sort of glancing over them or you assume you know everything there is to know about it. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning to think a little deeper about what it means to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Spiritually prosperous are the pure in heart because they see God. They shall see God. And I think there's been a shallow understanding of it that has limited that to thinking, if, you, if you're pure enough in heart, man, if you got it going on in the heart and you ain't got no sin in there and you ain't thinking any bad thoughts and you ain't sinned in, you know, days, then surely you're pure enough that one day soon you're going to wake up and Jehovah's going to be sitting at the foot of your bed going, hey, what's up? I see God. Or you're going to be driving down the road. Oh, look, kids, there's God. But you know this. You know this. He's not seen with these physical eyes. He's not perceived with any of your five physical senses before he's perceived and seen in the heart. Or maybe we've understood seeing God like, you know, when this life is over, you're dead and gone here, you're in heaven, and ta-da, there he is. Finally, you get to see him. And sure, you will, and I will, and I'm excited about it, looking forward to it, but I don't think that's anything near the fullness of what it means to see God. If you're really a believer, a child of God, with a heart for God, then this is probably if not, it should be one of the highest things on your priority list. Lord, I want to see you. But there again, it's not seen him with your physical eyes. So then what is it? It's with the eyes of your heart. You want to see him when others don't. You want to recognize him when the rest of the world can't. See, many people look up into the night sky and they see a bunch of cosmic coincidence, randomness. But when you look up, you see the creation from the hand of the creator. You're seeing God. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people look into the scripture, open the Bible, and they look at it and what do they see? Printed words on a page. A bunch of old men's ancient, outdated ideas. But when you open it, that's not what you see. You see a book that's alive. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. That thing, when you open it up, you see God when other people don't. People look at their relationships in their lives and they think of it as random run-ins. Huh? These people that are brought into their lives. How'd we stumble into each other? I don't know. But you and I, because we see God, we see him in each other. I was just telling somebody yesterday, again, the story about Sarah and I and how we met and how we fell in love and got married. And they asked, and I told them the same thing I tell everybody. I'll tell you the story, but it'll make you believe in God. Because when I look at what the Lord did in putting us together and how she lived in Branson, Missouri, and I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, and before we ever met each other, the Lord had spoken to us about each other and said we were going to marry each other. It's an awesome story. 
I'll tell you someday. It's really good. <laughs> but I see God in it. I see God in it. There are people that see what we do in here as a crutch of religion, as tradition and habit and worthless. When I come in here, I see God. I see him in you. I see him in what he's doing in this place. I see him in how he took this place from nothing and turned it into something. And in a short amount of time, put a bunch of people in this room, hungry for him, excited about, I see God in it. I see him. And what we do is not worthless, it's worship and it's real. And yeah, you don't see him with your physical eyes. I don't either, but I do see him. Anybody else? You see him. You see him at work in us. So when Jesus said the pure in heart will see God, what he's saying is you'll see things that others won't and that others don't. I see him in this. Thank you, Lord. What many call religion, we call relationship. What many call good luck and good fortune, we call grace and the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Father. That's because we see something other people don't. But notice what Jesus said. How do you come to the place where you see those things? What enabled you to see it? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you hear people say all the time, well, I never see anything. I never see God. I don't see any miracles. I don't look in the sky and see God. And they think what they're saying is an indictment against him. But what they're actually doing is voicing this self-convicting indictment of the condition of their own heart. So be careful. I never see anything. I never see God. Well, Jesus said the pure in heart do. So if you don't, it's a heart matter. It's a heart condition because he's there to be seen. I said, he's there to be seen, eager to reveal himself, eager to show himself strong. But he said, it's the pure in heart that get to see it. We'll talk a little bit about the pure in heart and what that means, because maybe there's some misunderstanding about that. But you're there in Luke chapter eight. And I want to get down to verse 15, but you really have to have some context of what this whole the, the verses leading up to this are about. You see this here in Luke chapter eight. It's the same thing you see in Matthew chapter 13. You see it in Mark chapter four. It's what people call the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. And without taking time to read the whole thing, Jesus tells this parable and he said, behold, a sower went out to sow. And he said, some seed fell on the wayside ground and the birds came and devoured it. He said, some seed fell on stony ground. Now that kind of paints a picture of ground with a bunch of rocks sitting out on top, but that's not what that means. Stony ground was a reference to that layer of stone that was just beneath the layer of dirt. And he said that seed fell on it and it sprang up. But when the sun came up, it was scorched and it withered away. He said some seed fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked it and it became unfruitful. But then he said some seed fell on good ground and it produced uh, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Then when he was explaining this parable to his disciples, 
he said some key things and you got to put all the accounts together to get the whole picture. But one thing he said to them was, look, if you don't understand this, how then will you understand any of them? So there are master keys in what Jesus said in these few verses that unlock much of the rest of scripture, much of the rest of his teaching and his parables. There's some powerful stuff in here. And you can see that when Jesus began to explain the parable and said, the sower sows the word. Somebody say the word. The word. Now remember, what are we doing here? We're keeping his words, keeping them in. We're inclining our ears to him. We're putting them in front of our eyes, keeping them in the midst of our heart. He said, the sower sows the word. So that was the seed, right? The seed was the word. And he said, these are they who on the wayside where the word was sown. And what you begin to see here is that the, is that the word got sown four times, but only worked once. Now that really kind of catches my attention. It's like I told you, I grew up in church and not just church or any church, it was word. We were really emphatic about the word. And man, it was word at church, it was word at home to the point as a kid where it was like, you kind of roll your eyes because every time you went to mom and dad for anything, it was like, well, what's the word say? What's the word say? What's the word say? And finally you're like, I don't know. Tell me, then I'll know. And I can tell you what the word says. But that's what it was like at our house all the time. What's the word say? We went to the word for everything. And I grew up with this understanding and this impression that, that man, the word of God had answers and the word of God had power in it. And the word of God had healing in it. And the word of God had provision in it. And the word of God had restoration in it. And that's right. That's the truth. But it startles me as this word kid to find out out of the mouth of Jesus that the word got sown four times and failed to produce anything 75% of the time. Does that catch anybody else's attention? Now, if you're new to the church, well, I guess we all kind of are, aren't we? Uh, newer than others, or listen, if you plan on sticking around a while, you're going to come to realize we put that same emphasis on the word of God. And we let his word set our expectation. We don't let any experience that we've had or anybody else has had be the limit of our expectation. We let God and his word set it. So if his word says you can be saved, you can be saved. And if his word says you can be healed by the stripes of Jesus, we let that word set the expectation. If his word promises to provide for you in every area of your life, if his word says, we may even get to this today, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Let that word set the expectation. But if you're going to expect that and you're not satisfied with living with excuses for why it's not working, then you're going to have to be honest about some things. Because I dare say that much of the rest of the family of God, the body of Christ, when they recognize that some got healed and some didn't, as opposed to letting the word tell them why, you just chalk it up to sovereignty. 
and say sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. I'll tell you something. That's convenient because it requires nothing from you. It doesn't require you to press in. Doesn't require you to find out for yourself what Jesus said about this. He's telling you right here. If it didn't work, here's why. And we're going to believe these things and we're going to expect these things, but we've got to be honest. And I'm going to talk to you more about that here in a second. But we've got to be honest. Who in here would raise a hand and say, you know somebody or even are somebody that didn't receive something you prayed for? I would raise a hand. Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, sometimes he does, you know, and we don't know, and he's sovereign. Sometimes he doesn't, and we just, we, just, we just don't know. Not according to Jesus. He helps us understand here why the word wasn't working. But let me just sort of jump out ahead and, and, and give it away a bit. It wasn't the word's fault. <laughs> because the moment this seed produced some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, you know right away, nothing wrong with this seed. It wasn't the fault of the seed. Now, if you were to stop after three kinds of ground and it hadn't produced anything, you might think, man, maybe this seed's faulty. Maybe there's something wrong with this. But the moment it worked, I said the moment it worked, you know right then, nothing wrong with the seed. So then where's the problem? The ground. And he said, there's those that got sown on the wayside ground and he said, the birds came and devoured that wayside ground without getting into all of it. We're going to take time and look at each one of these, but it's just hard ground. It's just packed. It was the ancient world's equivalent of concrete. And if seed were to fall on concrete, it, it wouldn't penetrate, right? It can't get in. And he said, that's what that wayside ground is. It's seed that falls on hard ground. And because it didn't get in. Or you could say because it wasn't received. He said birds came and devoured it. He said that's when it falls on that kind of ground in somebody's life, Satan comes immediately and steals the word. So hard ground is what? Hard heart. It's a heart hardened and the word couldn't penetrate. And if it never got in, it can't take root. And if it can't take root, then it can't bear fruit. Or it can't produce anything. We'll talk more about it. The second kind of ground, he said, was that stony ground. And like I said, it's got that layer of stone just beneath the surface of the earth. And he said, that actually sprang up. So you'll see here, these things are progressive. The first one didn't even get in. Second one, it got in, but it didn't go deep. It didn't take root. And that's what Jesus said. Because it didn't have a root... Then when it sprang up, the sun was up and it scorched it and it withered away. And he said, these are those that heard the word and they received it with joy. So that first group didn't even receive it. Didn't want anything to do with it. Didn't let it in. This next group, now this is, we're talking like worldwide population here. And these numbers still bear to be true, I believe even today. You got a lot of people here in the word. A lot of them not doing anything with it not receiving it. It's not getting in. You got a smaller group though that is hearing it going, okay, amen. They received it, Jesus said, with joy. Woo! 
say amen, somebody. And that's like sitting up in church, getting all excited about what you hear. Good word, preacher. Say that. Say it again. Preach it. Getting all excited about it. Getting up, turning around, walking out the door. And the moment the pressure is on. And that's what Jesus said when persecution and tribulation arise for the word's sake. He said, immediately they're offended. Uh-oh. Offended. What happened? How did somebody become offended? It's not just offended at another person. As bad as that is, it was offended for the word's sake. And the word offended literally means to separate. Disconnect. The word can't work from somebody, in somebody's life who is disconnected from it. You've got to abide in it. So why did they disconnect? pressure, persecution, tribulation. They heard some good promise of God and said, amen, I believe that I received that. And when it didn't happen at like Monday by 8 30 AM, it's like this stuff doesn't work. I'm out of here. So you see, it's progressive. One group didn't hear it. One group heard it, but didn't stick with it. How are roots developed? One way, time. You can't develop quick roots. Roots take time. And the more time you give it, the stronger the root is, the deeper the root goes. And if you'll stick with it and stay with it, no matter what kind of heat is turned up on you, no matter what kind of persecution or tribulation or pressure you are under, I'm sticking with this word. This is my word and I'm sticking to it. This is God's word and I'm sticking to it. I'm not disconnecting from it. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. You stay with it. You stay with it. You stay with it. Soon you're going to have some roots and roots will produce some fruits. It's not good English, but it'll stick with you. And then finally, Jesus talked about thorny ground. And again, we're going to take some more time with each of these because each one has to do with a heart. Hard ground, hard heart. Shallow ground, shallow heart. No depth. Then he talked about thorns. And he said, these are they sown among the thorns. When they hear the word, it actually took root. See the progression? It sprang up, but here's the deal. Something else got in. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. So you got the word growing and that's good, but you got this other stuff growing right up next to it, alongside of it. And what Jesus said is going to happen is that those thorns would choke out the word and make it unfruitful. I think there's a lot of people living right there. You got people who've heard the word and received it and thank God for it. You got people who've stuck with it, been, you know, in church a long time and, and been hearing the word a long time, but still going, man, why isn't this thing working? Why isn't it producing what my pastor said it would? Why isn't it producing what I see in the word? The next question is, did something else get in? Is there, are there cares growing up next to that word? Is there anxiety and stress and worry growing up next to that word? Because if there is, then somewhere it got past the guard. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. <laughs>